Hey guys, here we are again on Isabella Reads Amazon Made Simple podcast. And today we're going to talk with the, one of the powerful women in the industry and just not industry, in the world. You know, women are started driving the world a couple of years ago and it's becoming a, such a big trend because in every single community you still able to see a lot of men, 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 men. And it's not about to compete, it's about to give more path and more opportunities and lately when we are ladies are able to go on the stage and we have an option to compete uh, with the man and who is going on the stage uh joie bella or for example jamie and they will choose joie or me because not a lot of women are going on the stage right now so welcome joie and thank you so much for joining me today Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a blessing to connect with you and be on your podcast, especially because you're about to have a new addition to your family. So I'm glad I'm one of the last guests before that. Well, yeah, you're absolutely correct. I already have uh, half of my March scheduled in April as well. But yeah, I think in this month you're my final guest. And let's jump into the questions. So first of all, guys, I think I was the first one who started calling Joy Joie because, and it, it's kind of a trend right now. I heard that uh, Jamie switched and now he's calling you Joie. So uh, she's not upset with me, but if you're going to call her Joie, you have to ask this permission first. <laughs> I love that. Yes, you were the first to catch that people were saying my name incorrectly because the proper pronunciation is Joie. But my whole life, my mother also called me Joey. So it's fine. People either call me Joie or Joey. I answer to both. And yes, you have started the trend in the Amazon space because I was just speaking at the seller's cruise and I got introduced by Carlos as Joie. Oh, nice. That's so cute. <laughs> okay. So tell me please a little bit more about your background. I know that not a lot of people knew that you have actually Russian roots. That is correct. I do have Russian roots and a lot of my family lived in a section of Moscow and came over to the U.S. obviously before I was born because I don't have an accent. And my mother doesn't necessarily have an accent, but my aunts do. So my mom got here before my aunts. And the Russian culture is deep in my blood. And I feel it. And I think that is also part of what has driven me for success because – as you know, Russian standards and drive runs deep through our bloods. You, you can't ignore it. It's there. And the passion comes out of us. That's true. That's true. And like being stubborn, going through all these fights for hundreds and hundreds of years, it's in a bloodstream. So you can't change it. That's for sure. And here you ended up being an entrepreneur. When was your first journey? I was in the corporate world for 16 years. When I think about it, I'm like, wow, I served 16 years in the corporate world. I did what everyone's supposed to do. I went to college. I got an internship at CNN. And then I worked at CNN. And I'm going to age myself, but that was when the Twin Towers fell. I was working at CNN. And they laid off everybody. You could stay and work on the 9-11 stuff or um, – move jobs. I switched over to NBC News. I was there for six years. So I kind of feel like I grew up in my 20s in the newsroom. 
Then I stayed in the corporate world, moved into digital marketing with some other really big companies. I was working at Getty Images. They're based in New York. And this was 2014. And I realized, you know what? I'm tired of making other people money. I loved my coworkers. I loved building stuff. But I wanted freedom and I wanted to make my own money. And I wanted to call the shots. Just like we're talking about, like, I'm stubborn. I have opinions. I make up my mind. It's very hard to change it. So that was when I decided in 2014 I was going to start a wallpaper business. So my first company I started is called 3D Walls by Design. I still own it and run it today. It is a very, very deep passion. I have a mind to do interior design for commercial buildings. Some of the buildings I work on are Under Armour's building I've done. I've done care.com. I've done home away. You know, care.com is awesome because it's women focused and it's all about the nanny. So that was a passion project where I got to outfit their offices for moms who were coming to work in the office. And I still do that. They have a chain uh, all over the United States, right? Correct. Yes. And they have a headquarters in Austin, Texas, where I live. Of course. So now you can just go there whenever you want yeah decorate the place (laughs) yeah why not guys you know you have to you you have to redo everything today because i said so so it's here is the new contract please sign here and here exactly i'll bring you with me they're not going to say no to both of us (laughs) yeah that's correct (laughs) uh that's very interesting because um you remember when we've been uh, at your podcast i also mentioned that i was an interior design and that was 14 years of my business that went through like my uh kind of all adult life while i was being in russia and like you are doing this interior design as well so how much time you're actually spending uh on the company that you have right now uh you said 3d 3d walls Yeah, 3D walls by design. Well, since I've been running it for eight, almost nine years, I'm not spending much time on it. I have a really good team in place. And this is something you and I have talked about. You have to get the right team in place. And it took me years to get these people. And now they're very loyal to me. I pay them well. I take care of them. So I don't spend a ton of time on it. One thing about that business that I realized is It does make money, but it's not very scalable and it's not something I can sell because it's really my connections. The printers, my connections, the graphic designers, and the installers are all my people. So I'm not looking to necessarily grow that business. I just have steady business coming in and I'm 5% focused on that. And then everything else in my life is Amazon. Makes sense. And... If when you're saying everything else in your life is Amazon. So I will consider Amazon is one of one part of your life. And what is everything else? Yeah, outside of work is I'm a mom to a five-year-old. I'm a wife. I actually have friends who don't care about what I do for work. They just want to hang out and have fun with me. I have family and I love to work out. I spend a lot of time at the gym. So yeah. Yeah. You have, you're balanced everything very well. And I remember when uh, I saw you, I think last, no, I saw you last time at, uh, at I believe, Austin. Yeah. And before that, I saw you at uh, 
uh, counseling's retreat where I was asking you a lot of questions where all these muscles are coming from. But like, genuinely speaking, all ladies, me included, we've been lining up and listening because she, like, she's working out so much and like she has all this very nice relief around her body. And we are like so jealous, especially me right now. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you're saying Amazon, I know you exited business about two years ago, right? Right. Yeah, I exited in early 2021. So March of 2021, I was fully exited out of the business that I started in. My, my years are off. Hold on. I started it in March of 2021 and I exited in March of 2022. So it was 12 months, zero to little over a million dollars. One million dollars because of exit and one million dollars was the revenue. The sale. So in I started in March around December of 2022. We were at about a million in sales on Amazon. Uh, revenue like cash flow uh, was pretty good because my margins were good. So I had good cash flow. I believe it was around like 400,000 because my margins were awesome. Well, and yeah, so that's when I exited. Th that's super exciting. I think it's the fastest fastest exit I saw for the like last couple of years. So when you launched your Amazon business, first of all, how you decided to go into dive into Amazon, especially in 2020. Right. One. Yeah. 2021. Yeah. It's kind of the time when people started doubting. Should I actually go on Amazon? Because Amazon is probably very saturated, a lot of competitors and yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. In 2017, I actually sold a product that was a passion product of mine and it completely flopped. It was not a good product. I might have one sitting around here that I could dig up. Um, the reason I sold this product is because I had just had a baby and a friend of mine's nanny was with the stroller up a hill and turned their back and the stroller rolled away from the nanny. And she told me this story and it hurt my heart because I had a four-month-old baby. And I immediately rushed out and created a strap that connects your wrist to the stroller. And I didn't do any research. I didn't really care. I just went on Alibaba, bought this strap for a dollar, put my logo on it, and got it up on Amazon. And in 2017, the price point was $6.99. Well, okay. now that I'm telling you this, I would have to sell a lot of straps to be profitable if you could even be profitable at that margin, right? I mean, Correct. that's like $4 maybe every sale. That's It's not going to work. Quickly yeah, shut correct. that down. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah, I know it because like you don't have enough of room for PPC and Amazon fees will eat a lot. And yeah, and like, yeah, it's a lot of, uh... but that was your first experience. How did you feel when people started buying something that you created? You came up with this idea. You probably found just the strap uh, without any specific purpose for it, right? Right. Yeah. It, it was really this to save all babies from rolling down hills. That's all I thought about when I created the strap. And I did sell a few of them. And that part felt good. Like, hey, people are going to use this strap. 
but I also handed them out to neighbors and none of the neighbors used them. And that broke my heart. Like my friends in my neighborhood weren't even using them. So you've been upset and disappointed that nobody's using it. It was genuinely speaking your idea, but it was not proven by the world and nobody been recommending this product beside yourself. Right. Yeah. How did it hold you back for a while or like did it affect somehow your future decision that you really want to go and do your business uh, or like what happened after? Yeah, that's a good, good question. So I quickly just got rid of the strap and told myself, okay, I learned a little bit of a lesson. I'll think of something else. But this was 2017 and I didn't start selling again until 2021. I was running my wallpaper business. I was happy. Things were were fine. And then 2020, when all the big buildings shut down with COVID, was the first time I thought, hey, I need to sell on Amazon. Like that part came back to me because when I say I'm going to sell on Amazon, I really meant I'm going to sell on Amazon. And that strap was just a little hiccup. And so I needed to pick back up and say, all right, one of my goals in life was to sell on Amazon. So now is my time because the wallpaper business, I wasn't busy with it. So that's when I revisited it was uh, 2020. Okay. So, and then you decided to go with with something else. Probably you remember when you've been looking at the numbers, did you actually run any type of software when you've been looking at the products at the time of 2020, 2021? 2021 or 2020, when I first was sitting there after COVID thinking, I'm going to sell again. The first thing I did was think about margin. In wallpaper and design, as you know, margins are massive. Correct. And and I was like, I already sell luxury products. That's where I need to be. So I ran numbers just myself before I did any research tool, but I ran numbers myself and I said, okay, percentages are hard for me. So I was like, I'm not going to put it in a 70% margin because you can still end up with $4. I put it in dollar amounts. I said, every unit I sell of whatever I sell, I need to make $100. And that was the deal I made with myself. It was like, that's what we're going to do. And that was my first step. My second step was who has this luxury product for me to sell? Like, where is this product? So I did what I know how to do. I reached out to my network and I found people that I work with in the design world that have fabrication companies. And I went and toured and took them to lunch. And I said, what are you working on that's in a price point between $200 and $500 that I could potentially sell on Amazon? I'm very direct, right? I was like, I am here to see what I can Straight to the point. So then... One of the guys was selling, was creating these beautiful doors, like intricate doors, like barn doors that slide. My eyes opened up. I was like, oh, this is magical and wonderful. I'd love to sell it. But you and I are both small. There's no way I could lift a door. Like, I can't carry that product. Correct. (laughs) I was like, next. The next person I went to had a few high-end, like, outdoor sporting good products and they look like they had some potential to me. So I took him to lunch and was just looking around and said, okay, I'm going to come up with eight product ideas based off of what you showed me. 
and I'm going to use some software and actually validate them this time. The software at the time, um, I believe it was a viral launch actually that I was looking at at the time. Yeah, I remember we spoke about them. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And so I, I ran a few of the numbers and I, I will tell you, they weren't knocking it out of the park on the numbers, but what stuck out to me for the products I wanted to do was there were two very big brands in the space already, like household names. And there weren't very many underdogs and there weren't a ton of products. And the sales were high. The search volume was about 30,000 to 40,000. So to me, that was a go. Other people might say no, but to me, it was a go. Yeah, I agree. Thirty to 40,000 is good, especially when you're looking at the uh, proportion of the competitors. And if your price range was like four, five hundred bucks, I believe you didn't have a lot of competitors joining the same niche for the past 12 months, right? Correct. And it was expensive. So I was putting together the numbers and it was anywhere from the supplier to have it, the units modified as well was 50 to $70 per unit. Makes sense. Yeah. And you've been selling at what cost? I launched around $200. By the time I sold, remember this is the whole year of 2021 yes. where supply and demand was stressful. So $200 launch. By the time I sold my business and exited, it was about $380. Amazing. Yes. So why I was asking about the numbers in 2020, 2021, because if you will compare the amount of sales for the majority of the niches in 2020, 2021, when it was all this pandemic going on, um, comparing to today, the numbers are a little bit different. And when you are going through all this product research back to 2020 and 2021, and comparing to today, those are two different pictures. Those are two different uh, approaches. And do you think if you would be doing the research for this product right now today, would you still make the same choice or not? Are the numbers look different or they look the same? The numbers are a little bit different, but not enough to deter me from doing it. I would definitely launch it today. The desirable thing of 2021 was the environment where people were home more. So they were spending more money on outdoor sports. Now, I can't say if people are or are not, but what no matter what the economy is doing, people who have money to spend on luxury products are still going to buy the luxury products for their enjoyment. That's true. Uh, here's the question. You're mentioning already a couple of times, uh, luxury products, luxury products, and your luxury by yourself. And like when I saw you uh, buying Burberry scarves and making uh, the super expensive uh, uh, swag for uh, Amazon Insiders, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, everything's supposed to be uh, 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 like you have, if, you, if you're doing something luxury, you have to relate on everything they do. So, and Amazon is the market of not the luxury things, generally speaking. How? Mm -hmm. Where this confidence of selling luxury stuff on Amazon came from? 
My first confidence for selling the luxury items came from my first marketing job when I was at Callaway Golf. And Callaway Golf is one of the world's biggest golf companies. And I saw people spending tons of money on luxury products for their own personal enjoyment and to show off, right? It's like you show off, you have the new Callaway driver. And then I worked in artwork and design. I worked at a Getty Images, actually, which I told you, and they're luxury. So I was influenced by all of that. Like these big companies are selling direct-to-consumer luxury products, so why can't I? Even though I don't have the big name to back it up, I know how to do keyword search and I know how to make a good-looking product. So you've been customizing the product. Correct. That's amazing. I love it so much. So once you've been doing the research, uh, did you see that your competitors are selling at the same price as you are going to or your competitors being um, selling at the lower price so you knew that you're going to compete with the cheap products on Amazon? So out of the gate, my launch, I, I undercut them on the price because okay. – I needed to get my sales, my reviews. I needed to prove myself that my product was awesome. Then I was inching my price up and up because I was having inventory issues, keeping everything in stock. So I was comfortable putting the price higher and higher. And I did get to a price point above one of the household names. And I was still selling and my product looks better than theirs. Theirs were uh, red and black, and I made mine stainless steel. So mine, okay. to, to me, mine looked fancier anyway. So I was like, okay, I can be in the higher price point. And I just kept testing it to see where the threshold was. And also your margin is free money. So to me, I'm getting free money coming in because all I'm doing is raising the price. And this is something like I teach students that I coach is don't be too shy because you have to test your price point. And it doesn't always have to be because you're running out of inventory. That's correct. That's correct. Um, and at the same time, um, back to 2021, uh, as you mentioned, Amazon had issues with APA. Amazon had issues with uh, shipments. And like we had a lot of issues back to the yes. time. Did you ship your products on Amazon? So did you do FBA or did you do FBM at this point? All right. This is a very interesting part of my story. I was buying in bulk containers from China, bringing okay. the container to my warehouse. Let's just call it like a garage, but I'm going to call it a warehouse. So bringing it to a garage unloading in the warehouse, I had four or five guys that I found off of Craigslist, have them modify the product to make it completely mine, wrap it up on a pallet, ship to Amazon FBA. Sounds beautiful, right? Except when you're running out of stock, you don't have that extra 10 days to ship into Amazon FBA. So I flipped on Amazon FBM fulfilled by merchant to where we were putting the labels on ourselves and just having to fulfill the orders. Now, really a crazy thing that nobody should do that I did. I ran out of stock 
and I had oversold about like 50 to 80 orders and I had nothing. I had nothing coming in from China because the next shipment told me 45 days. Well, really it was like five months. So I didn't want to get shut down and 80 orders is going to get you shut down. If you cancel, you don't ship, it's late. So I had to reach out to all my contacts, some of those people that I'd taken to lunch previously and didn't go with their products and beg them for materials. I was like, what do you have? I need to put together 80 units and I need you to help me. So I got those 80 units put together in about five days, but they didn't look exactly like the ones that had been sold on the listing. So then I had to retake all the pictures and change out my images in hopes that the people who got that one go back, check the listing and they're like, oh no, it is the one I ordered. Although their order thing probably said something different. And I just did the best customer service I could. I explained what was going on. I said, if you're not happy with it, I will ship you a new one when we get the inventory in stock. Please use that. And then you're on my list to replace it. Like customer service always comes first. But man, the 2021 was the wildest ride of my life in selling. I bet. That's why I asked this question, because I remember my 2020 and 2021, and we've been also exiting uh, three or brands in March 2021. So we kind of end up our story for a little bit on Amazon. And um, I remember how 2020 being super crazy. And that was my actually, I think, first experience fulfilling by merchant because we had to remove all inventory from Amazon. Uh, Amazon was not like Amazon shipment was, I think, like two weeks or one month. And we've been shipping within one day. So that that was something crazy. And like, that's why I'm asking all these questions, because I, I remember how was it. Um, when you exited Amazon business, are you still selling right now or that you're done? Yes. So I exited March of 2022. I wrote a book that I wanted to sell on Amazon. One thing, another goal I had was I want to write this book. It was on infertility, IVF. I wrote the book. I sell that on Amazon. And then I built a brand that I sell now around infertility, IVF. It's kind of moving more into just women's health fertility products. But yeah, I have, let me think, six, seven. I have eight no, I have nine, nine times. Sorry, I have a 12 SKUs that I'm selling currently. And I want to add two more products this year. Of course, my store, I'm not spending as much time as I did on my previous store. But yeah, I'm definitely selling. I will always sell. I absolutely love selling. Uh, do you like more selling in person or selling the products? I like selling the products on Amazon. I don't tell anybody typically what I'm selling. Like when I built that other business, my neighbors had no idea what I was doing because I don't need them to buy my products. It's like I need the people on Amazon who are doing the keyword search who really need my products to buy it. I don't need my friends and family to buy. That's correct, especially because you can get in trouble for that. True, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no, nobody's buying my product. That's correct. I remember how... Uh, somebody was asking me, oh, Bill, I heard you've been selling this thing. I'm like, yeah, I am. Um, can I buy it? I will give you the best review. I'm like, uh, let me just give it to you for free. Please yeah. don't leave any review on Amazon. I appreciate you like that. 
that's it. Um, when you've been launching your products in Amazon, do you think the success you got is more luck or it's actually your a lot of your efforts, knowledge, research, um, proven strategies, numbers, like what it is? I don't think it was luck. I think I've been lucky in life in certain things, but I don't feel like this was luck. I feel like this was my willingness to not quit. Like I was not going to quit at this, even though I hit so many roadblocks. There were many, many points where I could have said, okay, the container is not coming for five months. Let's just shut the business down for five months and then reopen. But no, I it was blood, sweat, tears, lots of tears. And it took up a lot of time. It sucked up all my mental capacity. And so I really think it was putting in the work that you don't want to do. Like I, I didn't really want to do a lot of the work I was doing. I didn't want to be yelling at the people in the garage warehouse to make the products faster, stand there with a stopwatch, making sure that they were getting everything done on time. So yeah, I think it was, it was a lot of the sucking it up and putting in the work. And I kept reminding myself that year that this is part of being an adult and this is part of running a business. And I made a commitment to this company and I put a lot of money into it to, to start too. And I owed that money back to my family, which was also a big driver of like, hey, I'm, you know, started at $25,000 and $75,000 in and I need that money back and more. So how did you feel when you've been borrowing money from your family? It feels terrible. I felt obligation and pressure the moment I took a dollar from our savings. I ran up a credit card and it's just this feeling I have of I am going to make this work no matter what. And this will turn in to every goal I need to hit is what's going to happen. I have goosebumps and I I don't know. I feel you so much here because generally speaking, you can achieve any type of goals under pressure. And as long as this pressure is coming from your personal, um, I want to say from your personality. Yeah. From like, because you put, nobody will put so much pressure uh, on you, on yourself uh, unless you will do that. So, and you decided to put all this, generally speaking, all chips on one product, right? Right. So you've been so confident that it's going to work no matter what. Did you have any backup plan? So if it's not going to work, what are you going to do? I had other products to launch and I did launch. And those, they weren't necessarily the backup products, but they were part of the plan to get to my million dollar sales goal. What happened was, is the first product, which was modified three ways. So in, in essentially it was one product, three SKUs, uh, two variations. Well, three variations total. So I went to launch all the other products, but I didn't get to put as much into them as they probably deserve and they were put on the back burner. They didn't get their A-plus content. They didn't get a beautiful listing. And they sold, but not like they could have. So, so it, 
it wasn't always the plan, like just these products, but those products took off that they got all of my love and attention. And then I didn't actually launch like two or three products that I wanted to launch. Did you feel that you didn't accomplish everything you want by the time you've been selling this brand? Of course. Yes. I did not accomplish, I would say 50% of what I wanted to accomplish when I exited. And it was a hard choice because I still see so much potential and where the brand could have gone and where these products and the product line could have gone. And I didn't get to do 50% of what was on my like beautiful outlined marketing plan before you launch, right? It's like you're waiting for your products to come in and you can make all these lovely marketing plans that I maybe did 30% of. Do you, are you still spying on your products that you sold to somebody? Yes. Yeah. Last yeah. week I was digging into how they did for Christmas sales and where they are. Yes. Definitely look at it. How they're doing right now. The sales are down and the reviews are not as good. And look, my main thing I did, because I didn't manufacture the product, I did everything myself. So the customer service, I ran the entire Amazon account, I did the PPC, I did everything. So one- Because it was your baby. It was my baby. And it's not that I feel good and I'm like happy that they're not doing as well, but it did validate that the effort and everything I put in made a big difference than just putting something on autopilot. The listing hasn't changed. Not one keyword is different in my listing. Nothing has changed at all from when I handed it over to them. It's a great point. And I love the answer because... Uh... I've been selling lots of businesses in the past and I saw multiple times when someone is taking over your business, uh, unless it's a like big company that want your small company to be the part of their company and they like they do the numbers, they're not ready to put the same amount of efforts as you did because for them it's just the passive investments that like, okay, Amazon is going to work no matter what. And this brand is already on roll. Everything you have to do, just uh, keep going on the same trail and the same train will be on the rails. So like, mm -hmm. uh, they're not trying to do anything extra. I feel you here completely. So uh, you decided to, that you are going to launch uh, another project where you will uh, transfer your experience to others. And it's very inspiring everything you're saying because uh, having a little baby, trying to make it work, customize the product in your garage, hiring people there, naming it Worry House and doing all this crazy, crazy stuff, uh, it's, it deserves a lot. So you deserve a bigger award for that. Thank you. Uh, however, when you sold the company when you sold your brand um here you have opportunity to do something else and you decided to help others uh how did you start it why did you decided to do that because coaching is being in the coaching for 21 year after like i stopped doing it because it's extremely exhausting it's mm -hmm. very hard. You're always trying to take care of people's success. People are not, people are not always following your instructions. 
they're joining you because they love you, they believe in you, and they don't believe in themselves. Right. And then you feel this burden to make these people successful where those people are not really taking care of their success at the level when <clears throat> you care about. So it's a lot of questions in one. So I'll let you speak. Yeah, no, those are all really good points. And it does sum up what it's like to be a coach. After I exited the brand, I went back to my mentor, Jamie Davidson, and he was running AMZ Insiders. I joined AMZ Insiders in March of 2021. So he was my mentor through everything I was going through. Really? So he coached me along the way. I didn't need a ton of coaching, but he was there for me to at least express what I was going through and get validation of what I was doing. And a lot of times it might be like, yeah, you can try that or you can do this. But it was a, it was an outlet for me. And Jamie and his team, he had other coaches at the time. He helped me through it. So, so fast forward, I exit in March and I'm talking to Jamie on the phone. He's like, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, I have to write this book and I'm going to launch this other brand. I said, but you know what? Just out of the kindness of my heart, I'm going to give back to the community of AMZ Insiders. Like, put me in as a coach. I'll do it for free. Don't pay me. Let me coach. I started coaching with him. And I can't just sit back and coach, right? It's like, part of me is like, why can't I just help out? No, I have to then come to Jamie with an entire restructuring plan of how I think he should run his business. And then Jamie and I kind of gave each other offers of how I could become an official like 50-50 partner in AMZ Insiders. And (laughs) since then- That was aggressive on your part. Like, you know, coach- you you created the business and now I want a 50% cut move. I know. Okay. I know. And it, that's my Russian heritage. It just comes out and I'm like, this is how we're going to do it. And he, if you don't ask somebody and propose it, then you don't get the answer. Correct. So I went Never big. hurts to ask. I know, right? doesn't hurt to ask. And, yeah. uh, and Jamie was on board. So we are now business partners and AMZ insiders. And since then, it's, you know, been what, nine months. We have done a lot in the trainings and I've gotten to do a lot more control. And one of the benefits I see is that in theory, I'm still a newish seller because I started selling in 2021. I'm still selling. I've been in the weeds for a while. Jamie is a nine-figure seller. I mean, huge, huge, running a massive operation. He has over 200 employees in his business, and he is more on the build to exit side. And so I think we really complement each other well with all the students we bring in, some who want to build to 10 million and beyond, and where I love trying to help people from like zero to one, two, three million. How do you feel when people are joining your course and they're looking at you like you're the God for them right now? Like, okay, take me there. And how, like, what do you feel there? I like to keep it in perspective of you have to follow our methods. Like you have to do what I'm telling you and you can do it, 
but you have to be open to taking advice and everybody's journey is different. I also like to always stress like, Hey, the products that I sell are not the same products that are right for you to sell. And you might run into this a lot too, because you guys help people with products, but it's like, Oh, just find me a product to sell. It's like, well, I don't do that. We have a done for you service, but I am not going to do your research for you. I teach you how to do it. And I will a hundred percent tell you that is a terrible idea, right? Like I don't want anybody to launch today with a massage gun, unless it's the newest cutting edge massage gun, right? Correct. Or a Ziploc and, organizer and use the Ziploc bag in your title, right? Right. Yes. Don't get yeah. sued either. So, so common. So common. Yes. And like, hopefully I can help them avoid those mistakes. But there's definite incidences where, like you were saying, people get mad that one, they haven't found their product and they blame the coach, right? Blame me, blame the other coaches. They have complaints about everybody. And I keep it in perspective that that's about them not taking the action to invest in themselves and putting blame. So for my emotions, I, I keep it in the business. Yes, it's disappointing and I get frustrated and I want to give a big lecture. Now, I did have a guy come to me and tell me, I watched all 80 videos and this is all basic stuff. And I said, oh, oh, okay. So you have your product up and you're already making sales. He's like, no, I just watched the videos. I was like, oh, so when you work out, you just watch the class or do you do the workout? Like, and he went back and he said, you're right. I'll do the work. And he went step by step and he's launching his actual product and now he's getting sales and he's an Amazon seller. So I didn't let him quit because he said, oh, I just watched the videos, but I was harsh. And I was kind of mean, like, well, you're not, you, you can't just watch the videos. That's anybody can That's watch true. a speaker and then leave and be like, oh yeah, that was really good marketing information. No, you have to implement. It's hard. It is. Um, when you're teaching people, do you recommend them to learn how to do PPC and how to do everything by themselves? Or you're recommending them to learn uh, how to do that just to know who to hire in the future and you're recommending people to delegate as much things as many things as possible in the beginning i want everybody to learn how to do everything themselves they don't have to do it themselves like i did for an entire 12 months to one million dollars but they need to do it to the point where they understand it so well that they know they hate it you can't just say i hate it because you think it's hard you have to hate it because you really don't want to be adjusting your bids up and down. It's a, such a great point. It's a, such a great point. I love it. So uh, what's next and where do you see yourself right now? So business coaching, you're doing it right now. Uh, in your head, in your perspective, is it the long-term project? Is it your temporary place? Uh, is it more self-realization and you enjoy it because it's something new? what it is, and how long are you planning to do that? Yeah, so AMZ Insiders already has been around for six years, so it's definitely established. It's long-term coaching. We have bigger plans for the coaching program so that it will grow. It's sticking around. We have a limit on how many people we accept so that our time is not 
totally taken up and it's allocated appropriately, we're bringing on even more coaches. So we have like our full team right now is like nine people and we have more people coming on. 2023 is a big year for us because we're adding in more coaches. We also have a uh, cool software that's going to come out that'll be part of our coaching program that doesn't compete with anybody in the industry yet. And my other super fun plan, obviously, is building up the women of Amazon. That has been a big focus of mine. Not that AMZ Insider's coaching program was all men, but there was a big majority of men before I joined because of Jamie's influence and all the other coaches were men. So I'm actually the first female coach to jump in with AMZ Insiders, and now we have a lot more women joining. So I am on this mission to be like, hey, ladies, like we're all out here selling. Come join us. Okay. And you also launched your Fearless Sellers podcast. <laughs> yes, which you were a guest on and you rocked yeah. it. Thank you. Uh, how do you feel about this podcast? And is it the part uh, that is making you feel good as a woman, as a powerful woman, as a woman entrepreneur? Uh, is it the part of your life where you want to share success stories with the world? Or it's something like, listen, right now everyone is doing podcasts. I have to have my podcast as well. Right. Yeah. I never actually wanted a podcast. And I was doing research about educated women and where they get their information and a podcast kept coming up. And I thought, you know what? I am going to do this podcast directly for women to celebrate successful women. It's for everybody to listen to. And you know, men will be on as well. But it's a platform where we can all come together. And the other reason I really like it is it's in-depth, right? Like when I got to talk to you, it's 40 minutes of Isabella Ritz. Instead of a short clip on your Instagram or a quick, I mean, they can watch your podcast too, right? So they get that intimacy with you there. But it was like geared towards mine being women focused and hey, you really can dive in to Isabella Ritz's story and get to know her and learn from everything that you have to share. And I think that's the power of podcasts and why I jumped in and, and it's going to be consistent. I've committed to doing it. I thought long and hard before I launched it because I know that it's the commitment. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to have quality, successful, inspirational, aspirational women and people to come in because that's what the audience deserves. I love it and I feel it. And thank you for doing everything you do. And <clears throat> very standard question at the end of the podcast usually we're asking where people can contact you. So I'm not asking this one yet, uh, why people should contact you? Like if they want blank, how they should contact you. So yeah. what is the blank? Reach out if you're interested in getting started selling on Amazon or you're selling on Amazon and hit a point where you're not really sure what to do. If you're selling and your sales aren't where they're supposed to be, you should definitely get aligned with a mentor and a coach. Just even if it's not me, find somebody who has the proven results 
and get aligned with them. And yeah, you can get me. I'm on Instagram. You can get my Fearless Sellers podcast. And then my website is amzinsiders.com. And on there, you'd have to apply to book a call, but it's worth it. It's short and quick. Or hit me up on Instagram. I run my own Instagram. It's me messaging. You're super active there. You're super active there. Yeah, I know for a fact. Yeah. Um, So guys, thank you so much for listening today. Joa Roberts, she's one of the badass women. And uh, I think I stick with her personality since um, I believe selling scale. No, BDSS, BDSS, yeah, BDSS, yeah, BDSS. BDSS, yeah, because she strikes me like a very, very strong, powerful woman who knows what she's doing. She's having family. She is able to balance it. And sometimes you're going even on a social media and trying to check out the person because when you're joining some type of the service agencies and providers, you want to know who is behind. And she's not so crazy about what she does because she's also posting her husband, her a private life, her child, which is very important because when you're open to the world, when you are ready to show your lifestyle, not just your personal, not just your professional life, you're real. And in these days, it's very important to be natural, real, uh, not wearing mascara on every single day and not trying to show off. Uh, of course, Barbara is always there, like no, no doubt. So <laughs> at all. Uh, so and uh, I love Joa so much. And she she is real and um, she's a professional. And based on her story, based on her experience, you can clearly tell she understands what she's doing. And even when she launched her business on Amazon just a few years ago, she went through the journey on a high speed. And it was a very sprint experience that other people can do for years and never achieve the goals that she did. So thank you for being with us today and you're amazing. Thank you so much. You are absolutely one of my favorites and I appreciate it. And I'm sad to say goodbye, but I know we'll be chatting again soon. Of course. Okay. Bye-bye guys. (laughs) 